Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. We started a sermon series eight weeks ago in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. We chose Proverbs because it's chock full of the wisdom of God. And boy, oh boy, do we ever need the wisdom of God. We hurry from one tough decision to the next, one difficult choice to the next, and we need God's wisdom to make the right decision, to make the right choice. And when the wisdom of God enters our hearts and fills our minds, we, we come alive. With God's wisdom flowing into us, we can become all that God has created us to be. In fact, one of the early church fathers famously said, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man living by faith in Jesus Christ and walking in the all-sufficient grace and wisdom of God that brings life. And that's where Proverbs chapter 3 takes us, takes us into life, abundant life through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it begins with this appeal. My son, do not forget my teaching. So he's not saying, do this because I said so. Parents have been known from time to time to tell their kids, look it, just do it because I told you to do it. Do this because I said so. Well, the father figure in Proverbs 3 is not saying that. He's not saying, do this because I said so. He's saying, do this because it will make your life better. <laughs> do this because it will help you. Do this because it will fill your life with the shalom of God, the peace of God. And so first thing this morning, we're going to have a look at the peace God gives. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So don't do it because I said so. Do it because it will help you. It's going to bring peace to your life. And this is the peace that God gives. When we pay attention to the Father's teaching, when we obey the Word of God, we experience more of the abundant life that Jesus promised us. And this father figure in Proverbs 3 is is pleading with his son to obey him because he knows that the teaching will lead his son into the shalom of God, this deep-rooted peace and wholeness that only God can bring to a life that is surrendered to him. So you don't have to be brilliant And you don't have to be beautiful and you don't have to be blameless. But you do have to pay attention to the word of God and do what he says. Philip Yancey writes about a friend of his named Susan who was a a Christian gal. And she told Yancey one time that her husband does not measure up. And so she was actively looking for other men to meet her needs for intimacy. When Susan mentioned that she rose early every morning an hour before work to spend time alone with God, Yancey carefully asked her, uh, well, in your meetings with the Heavenly Father, when you're spending time alone with God in the morning, does God the Father ever 
speak to you about your pending decision to leave your husband so you can fulfill your intimacy needs with a vast array of other men. Susan bristled and pushed back. She said, well, that sure sounds like the response from a a white Anglo-Saxon male. The father and I are into relationship, not morality. And relationship is all about accepting who I am and accepting what I do and not judging me. It sounds like Susan may have cut Proverbs 3.1 right out of her Bible. Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. So you don't have to be accomplished. You don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be artistic. And I'm grateful for that. But you do have to pay attention to the gospel. You have to pay attention to the word of God and follow the word of God and obey the word of God if you're going to have the peace of God in your life. When you do pay attention to the gospel, when you do submit to the lordship of Jesus, you experience this peace, supernatural peace with God, the shalom of God. And so the writer goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So the key here in this text is steadfast love and faithfulness. Two key ideas. Steadfast love and faithfulness. These very words, these exact words, are used to describe God himself in Exodus chapter 34. They're characteristics of God himself. God is steadfastly uh, loving, and he is always faithful to us. And those qualities are available to us each and every day. So bind them around your neck, Proverbs says. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Grab hold of them and never let go. Why? Well, because Psalm 136 says that the steadfast love of God endures forever. Forever. You buy a new vehicle today, it's going to be worn out in 5 or 10 or 15 years. It doesn't last forever. You buy a new house and gouge the walls as you're moving the furniture in. It doesn't last forever. I mean, nothing that you buy, nothing that you build, nothing that you own is going to last forever. But the steadfast love of God lasts forever. The enduring love of God is forever and ever and ever. So that's why we ought to bind it to our hearts and put it around our necks and hold on for everything we've got. Stake everything you have and everything you are on the character of God. He's loving. He's kind. He will not fail us. Count on the steadfast love and faithfulness of God that is revealed in Christ and you will experience the peace of God. Second, The trust God demands. We've talked about the peace God gives. Now we want to talk about the trust God demands. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. He will make straight your paths. These verses really school us in trust, don't they? They teach us dependence. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are probably the two 
most well-known verses in all of the Old Testament. Many of you have committed these verses to heart when you were knee-high to a grasshopper, as they say. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Say them with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. They coach us to put all of our confidence in Jesus who is the power of God and the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And the kind of trust that Jesus deserves, the kind of trust that Jesus demands here is wholehearted trust, all-in trust, no-holds-barred trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But I think that's a process, don't you? I don't think somebody comes to know Jesus as their Savior on Monday and Tuesday, they fully trust him with everything. I think, I think it's a process. I think it's, it's part of our sanctifying experience. It's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to lead us one step, one day, one year, one decade at a time in, in, in really trusting Jesus with everything. But as you practice trusting in the Lord, it becomes a little easier to trust the Lord the next time trust is demanded. Make sense? So we've got to be trusting and multiplying and, and, and adding to our trust every single day. Something interesting I discovered just this week. The word, trans, the word translated trust in the Hebrew Old Testament is, is related to another Hebrew word which, which means to fall on your face. So when you trust in God with all your heart, you are... You are throwing yourself down on your face. That's literally what that word means. To throw yourself on your face. You're lying spread-eagled in the presence of God. That's an illustration or a declaration of commitment and total surrender to the Lord. When you are spread-eagled with your face on the floor before the Lord. Fully surrendered, that's trust. And so we stake everything. We stake everything on the promises of God. We throw ourselves on the promises of God and trust Him. We come with our sin and our failures and our fears and we, we get on our face before God. And if God fails us, we are damned forever. But if God is God, and He's true to His promises, and He comes through, then we are saved forever. Hallelujah. Real trust is just that blunt. It's that simple. It's that black and white. You either trust or you don't. And as we trust, we trust day by day, and it grows, and it multiplies, and it expands until we can say, by the grace of God, I'm trusting you with all of my heart, Lord Jesus. Question is, will you put your trust in Jesus today? I mean, A.W. Tozer nailed it when he said, pseudo-faith 
always arranges a way out just in case God fails. Plan B, right? I, 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 I'm, I'm, I, I never cease to be amazed at the number of parents who will tell their kids who are sensing a call to ministry and to go to Bible college or seminary, well, that's good, sweetie, but maybe you should get an education first in case the ministry doesn't pan out, in case God fails you, in other words. <laughs> Pseudo-faith always arranges a way out just in case God fails. Real faith knows only one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way or makeshift substitutes. For true faith, it's either God or total collapse. And not since Adam stood on the earth has God failed a single man or or woman who trusted him. And so, folks, I'm calling you today. I'm calling on you to trust in the Lord. With real faith, not pseudo-faith, but with real faith, trust in him. There's enough grace for you to trust in the Lord fully and completely with your whole heart. There's enough grace for that. There's enough grace to go around for our whole church to fully trust in the Lord Jesus Christ like that. To lie spread eagle with our faces flat on the ground within declaration of absolute unyielding trust. It's the grace of God that enables us to do, to do that at all, to trust Him at all. So I encourage you. Trust Him with all the stuff that holds you back and steals your confidence. Trust in Jesus with the stuff that that shames you and terrifies you and scares you. Trust in the Lord with with all that creates anxiety and, and, and anger within you. Trust Him with all that stuff. Why? Because He always receives us just the way we are. Messed up and broken. That's how we come to Him, right? We've come to Jesus once we get it all together. My goodness, that would be forever. We come to Jesus just as we are. We come to Jesus with all of that stuff and all of the... Oh. Why? Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We know we can come into His presence. We know we can lay flat out in, in His presence without the fear of condemnation. And so we come, just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings within, and fears without, by the dozens, O Lamb of God, I come. Are you ready? Are you willing to trust in the Lord today? And it might be for salvation. You might be trusting in Jesus Christ today for salvation. You finally reach that point in your life where you know you can't do it on your own, and you've heard enough of the gospel message to say, yes, that's exactly what I need. Why not today? Why not today put your trust in Him? Or it might be for some of you, for some of us, a rededication of sorts, a a, a commitment to surrender fully to Jesus Christ. No holds barred. I'm, I'm not holding anything back anymore. I'm unlocking that locked closet in my life and opening up. Let the ghosts, let, the, let all that junk out. I'm going to trust in Jesus with all my heart. 
Let your full weight rest on Jesus. Lie face down in his presence. He will never fail you if you trust him. Do you believe that? Has he ever failed you? You think you can trust him today? Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. So here's the price. If you can call it a price at all. Here's the price that we have to pay in order to walk with God in a way that honors Him and brings blessing. Proverbs 3, 7 and 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The Father is warning us here against a spirit of self. Self-assurance. Self-confidence. Self-reliance. Don't go there. There is nothing to take home after a day's work with self. A doctoral student and a professor worked together at the Arizona State University uh, in a study and where they compiled their findings. Um, it confirmed what they and countless other women have known for generations. Their study confirmed that men overestimate their intelligence. That boys really do think they're smarter than the girls. But the girls know better, right? <laughs> you see, and with uh, being a grandfather of, of three granddaughters, now I have to play for the other team once in a while. Listen, men or women, male or female, overestimating your intelligence, your achievements, your credentials. It's the opposite. It's, a, it's the exact opposite of trusting in the Lord. It's the exact opposite of trusting in the Lord. Be not wise in your own eyes. Don't overestimate your intelligence, your achievements, your credentials, your grades, whatever. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That, that is such a radical departure from a life of complacency. Oh, my goodness. Some people are happy just to come to church, you know, once in a while, once every month or so, throw in a loony or toony just to massage my, my guilt complex. And, and that, that's a life of complacency. Who wants that? This cuts against that. This is such a radical departure from the life of complacency. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Uh, the very first of, of Martin Luther's 95 theses. You know, he, he nailed 95 theses to the door, church door of Wittenberg in 1517. That sparked the, the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. The very first thesis was this. Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ in saying repent intended that the whole life of believers should be repentance. In other words, walk in humility every day. Surrender your life to Jesus every single day. Repent of your sins every day. And woe to the man or woman who thinks they sin not. 
Now, you probably have a list of things that you need to do this week. Do the laundry, fix the faucet, buy groceries, mow the grass, clean the garage. All of those things are important. Whatever's on your list, I'm sure it's important. But God is saying this morning, the two things that should be at the very top of your priority list, your two top priorities for today, for this week, for the rest of your life, the two top priorities that you need to write down this morning. Number one, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Now, in the very first talk I gave in Proverbs, we talked about that because that's the, that's the theme of, 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 of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I said the fear of the Lord is openness to Him. It's a, a eagerness to please Him, humility to be instructed by God. The fear of the Lord is a willingness to turn from sin of all kinds and really let the Holy Spirit change you from the inside out. The fear of the Lord is, is, is a complete surrender to the will of God. And we heard this morning about, you know, lying face down, uh, spread-eagled in the presence of God as, a, as an act of humility. The fear of the Lord. Fear the Lord. And then, secondly, turn away from evil. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. What's the first priority? What's the second priority? Man, oh man, if we could just get that right and make that the urgency of our lives. A lot of things are urgent according to the world, but I, 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 I submit to you this morning that this is more urgent than anything that's going on in the world, than anything that's going on in your life. Fearing the Lord and turning away from evil need to be our top two priorities. And we need to keep the main thing the main thing. We spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a bit of money getting this facility ready so you can enjoy it. But I'll be darned if we take our focus off the gospel and put it on a building. Our number one priority is to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. Proverbs is a gospel book. This alone will save us from a wasted life. If, if all you do is fear the Lord and turn away from evil, you will, you will live a magnificent life. And you will become a model citizen and a model brother in Christ that many will want to follow. Do you believe that? John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, said this, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of God on earth. Man, I got goosebumps. We got 100 preachers in our church, don't we? I think we do. So let's turn the city upside down. Let's see God touch down in Windsor, Essex like never before. And let them be able to write, when they write the history book of, of the revival in Windsor, you know, it began at the gathering with a group of people who said, we will fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your powerful, powerful word this morning. 
And thank you so much for grace. The grace of God, the amazing grace of God that guides us and leads us and challenges us and causes us, motivates us and inspires us to throw ourselves on our faces this morning and trust God. Who among us this morning is ready to do that? Who among us this morning is willing to say, I will fear the Lord and turn away from evil? Will you say amen? So, Father, you've heard it, and you know who these people are. Come by the power of your Spirit and lead us onward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.